and then I went on something called the Nomad Cruise where I gave a talk to like 500 nomads yeah and I was talking about my personal journey of what I've been trying to uh, accomplish for my own life the last few years and one of them I said actually I'm just starting now the idea the concept of nomads of nomads giving back and uh, I, it was pretty interesting because I I found that sometimes you need to just put an idea out there and then see what happens and be willing to sort of like jump out of the helicopter and you make the parachute along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the More Than Backpacking podcast. My name is Damon O'Neill, and today's guest is Tarek Kalusi. This guy is a guy I met in Medellin, Colombia, throughout our time there, and he is an absolute legend. I'm currently in Guayaquil Airport in Ecuador, and I've just listened to the conversation, and again, it has amazed me. I throughout the conversation I kept learning more and more about him what he's done how much he has grown over the years and just what he's doing and how much he has to give and offer which is brilliant and I'm buzzing for him I'm super happy for him that he's on this amazing journey and I've got so much inspiration from the guy the the geezer has run a marathon at base camp Everest two months after signing up for it and uh, three weeks to hike up to the base camp and it just kept he just kept saying things that I get inspiration from and I realised that we had so much more in common than what we first thought not just because we are both part of the elite group who have run a marathon which I didn't talk too much about considering he's run a total of 25 marathons compared to my one so uh, honestly this, this episode is uh, amazing he talked we talk about his his growth how he lived in new york and was a corporate slave but how he looks at it positively and it's put him on the, this path now where he is creating a social enterprise called nomads giving back look in the show notes for the links for that because we went to some events and they're doing events all around the world if you want to learn more about giving back volunteering whether it's long term short term or Maybe you'll be able to help him with the link as well, which would be amazing. And make sure you listen out. Part one, we talk about Nomad's giving back and how he found how he found this passion to give back and why he's in that community of nomads and where, like how it really started and what what his plans are for it. He has amazing plans, and I was happy to be a part of that in Medellin. Hopefully, be a part of that more. And don't forget to watch out for part two next week where we talk about his base camp marathon. We also talk about doing the first ultra marathon on the island of Bali and raising 100000 for charity for kids' education. And also throughout the podcast you'll hear how we talk about the process, how you have to love the process. And it's all the same game. So I hope you learn from that and you understand it because that's what I've, I've felt like I've learned through my experiences and it seems like Tarek has as well and I feel like a lot of people are going to apply that so whatever you're doing today have a fantastic day 
Hope you're loving the game. Hope you're loving the process. And I hope you're loving the podcast. Peace. Oh, by the way, they're going to let us know tomorrow about... Too uh, loud. That's all right. Um, like, we just want to get, like, free beers, some, some drinks, like, an area. So, like, so you just need to let us know how many drinks and food. And then they're going to give us, like, a free meal for the winner that they can get within a month. So, hopefully... My team doesn't win because we're sharing. We're, our team is with the coaches in the community, so they're probably not going to go to Selena for for a meal. But we'll work it out. But uh, how about you? Have you got a team? Uh, well, any word from your? Well, team? I talked to my team. We want to do it. Yeah. And we're looking forward to hosting a team. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident we'll get a, a good team. If we're lucky, maybe even two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let, let us know. We got. Like in, since we've spoken, one team's definitely confirmed as well. So, but like we'll, we'll definitely save you one, uh, one spot. Yeah, Thank and you. then but if you get two, then like just let us know straight okay, away. Okay, so my goal is to uh, spread the word after our talk now. Yeah, and uh, yeah. take it from there. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. Yeah. The, uh, you know, you're you're Ma- Manu. Manu. Yeah. The, the, the the lady I spoke to was Man- Manuela. I assume her name's like Manuela. Or something. Uh-huh. Her name was Manuela as well. And I, she said, oh, "I'm Manuela. I saw her at the desk, and I was like, <laughs> "No That's way." Because right? you just told me that she used to work for Selena as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Manuela was my first uh, hire. Yeah. And she's amazing. And uh, she spent uh, more than a year with Selena, and it's really tight. She's very proud to be part of that team. Yeah. Um, so I feel like. The people at Selena are really, really friendly. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've been hosting some really good events. I don't know. Have you been to any of them? No. Like what? Like their give back events or their general, um, general events in the bar? General. General. Yeah. But like either Nomad related. I think they have occasional uh, give back. They have a, actually their own program. One of my friends started uh, a program called Selena Gives Back. Well, th- see, this is the thing. They don't promote it. Yeah. Like, I, I was trying to like hinted into her today I was like yeah I know about that like, I've spoken to people because I, I spoke they asked us to like jump on a call with all their community managers and stuff just because they saw what we were really? doing but like I, I feel like it's, it's a bit passive and I don't know if it's ticking boxes or not but so here's my understanding so one of my one of my good friends Virginia was head of their Selena's HR for a couple years yeah. up until about a year ago and at the time she created something called Selena Goes Back yeah. and then I had a call with their current leader who's based in the U.S., and she seems really great. What's her name? Uh, I have to double-check. It's been yeah, a few months since I've talked to her. And uh, we had a really good call. The thing is, I think they're thinking much more global than local, and yeah. I think that's one of the challenges with big organizations yeah. is, you know, how do you deploy your philosophy on, yeah. the, on the ground? Yeah, yeah. And also giving back. I mean, you know how it is, like social impact it's a little bit tricky to prioritize because it doesn't have an ROI yeah. often, right? So it can it's just like, be a tick, tick in a box. And it's, sort of it's just hard to find the right... Because every business, even nonprofits, are super busy juggling priorities. Yeah, I know yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, but I, I really think that Selena has the right, the right vision for bringing people together. And they're really uh, indirectly and hopefully directly will sort of like yeah. piece it together. Because they do... She was telling me today, there's their staff members dedicate four hours a month to like the local projects, and the re- the the meaning behind it is to be part of the community. Yes. Because I think they got some criticism somewhere down the line where they uh, like 
spent a lot of money, but like they, they tore apart something. I'm, I'm not too sure. Like, exactly. Like, and they didn't give to the community. Like, it's just all take, basically. But I think that's why it sort of stems from that, and they're trying to be part of the community. Yes. But I, there's backpackers who want to do that, but they just don't know how to... This is like part of what we say. We try and like tell people that like if you ask them questions, you can find opportunities to get back. And Selena, everyone knows Selena. Yeah. Really, even if you like them or not, or want to stay there or not, and if you want, if you're staying somewhere for long enough where you can do even just a day or two, like they do stuff. And, like, exactly. And I mean, and that's the vision. I mean, I just remembered uh, the the woman who leads Selena gets back now for Selena. Yeah. Uh, her name's Eva Rowe. Right. And uh, she was sharing with me a couple months ago that. They're looking to actually get the local leaders involved, yeah. in like, and make it part of the process. I think it's just it's a complicated thing to do. Mm. Um, she was giving me a great example about what they're doing in Costa Rica, for example. Uh, so yeah, and I, I know like <clears throat> with with what I'm trying to achieve as well is is try to solve that same problem. Is when someone like you or me drop into a new place, how do we connect with the local social causes? Yeah, and. Uh, it's easier said than done, but I, I really think there's so much potential because I hear more and more. I mean, just today, someone posted in one of those Facebook groups, hey, I want to give back, yeah. but I don't know how. And someone tagged me because they happen to know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I think we're at this this point where um, with, with access to information, if we can sort of like what you're doing, raise awareness and serve yeah. as that bridge, yeah. I think that's the, that's the secret. Well, so like, <clears throat> so on the subject so like you're you've got nomad to give back so have you started is it have you, is it official have you just started it like a Facebook page or have you registered as a, a non-profit or an organisation or whatever yeah we ha- we just literally started the the concept yeah. in the last couple of months so we haven't officialized anything yet because no, yeah. I am in the process of figuring out what's the best legal model yeah um I'm a big fan of social entrepreneurship, yeah. social enterprise, where there's a revenue generating model. Yeah, yeah. I've worked for nonprofits. I volunteer for nonprofits. I've, I've, I've consulted and volunteered for social enterprises, and I think every model has a role to play. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to balance what I think is ideal for, for what will have the optimal impact. Yeah. And as of now, uh, I'm thinking about having a blend, having two two pieces of it. One where it's nonprofit or fundraising type causes, and one where it's more sustainable uh, in the long term. Well, it, it crosses over anyway because a charity is has has to have a sustainability line. Otherwise, it's just relied. I mean, even if that is don- donors, then <clears throat> otherwise they go bust. And yeah. then, likewise, a social enterprise is there to make money but then it needs the charitable causes to be linked with it so it's almost it's literally like the legal documents that make the difference really you're, you're exactly right because non-profit is still revenue generating but they rely on donations yeah. it's, and that's a whole business behind that yeah. fundraising I mean I worked for um, a top non-profit hospital in New York where they relied heavily on big donations yeah. and that was a business by itself uh I'd imagine hospitals are ones that like rely on donations more so than like more local. Like hospitals are big. You see where the money's going. Like yeah, I think maybe I think, it might be different in the US where it's all private. I'm not sure. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was about to raise that point that healthcare in the US is pretty different than healthcare in other countries. Yeah. So in the US, it's it's both. It's a blend. There there are for profit. There are non profit. But even the non profit 
operate very culturally yeah. for profit. It's just that the donations is sort of like their business. Yeah, they need it. They need it. And, I mean, I'll give you another example. I, on a very local level, I was uh, visiting Ethiopia and I was having uh, catch up with a friend of mine, and she brought one of her friends who happened to lead a nonprofit orphanage. And clearly, an orphanage is more of a nonprofit model. Yeah, There's yeah, no yeah. money about that, obviously, uh, from a social enterprise perspective. That said, um, I asked her how was her day. She said actually it was really not good. I asked why, and she shared that she just found out from her her donors, her uh, a few uh, Dutch people that sponsored this orphanage, said that our priorities changed and we're no longer going to fund you, and it was like 90% of our funding. And she had just t- taken in a few new children and babies yeah. that, that week and was thinking, oh, what do I do about this? And that's when I was thinking, well, that's why you need social enterprise. You yeah. know? But it's not that simple. How do you make an a orphanage into a social enterprise? Yeah. And so, you know, these things are, these are tough problems to solve for a reason. Yeah. You know, a lot of us have good ideas and good hearts, but it takes, I think, a lot of creativity and a lot of resilience and like like you a lot of commitment i like i've really been admiring what you've been doing with the three amigos and uh, i'm i think i think it needs to it needs to be a blend of both uh ideally yeah that's what kata when i was speaking to kata she was saying that she colombians don't know that they're starting uh, non-profits and they don't know that they're going to go bust and they need some sort of revenue where whether it's from donors or like uh, something that they're gonna yeah. earn a revenue from, and she was like, "I feel like I'm teaching them because, and I'm still learning any like about her, and uh, yeah. like, even that is sort. Of, I mean, it's it's almost like more backward here, maybe, where it's or less developed, not backward. Yeah. But I'm really I'm really super impressed with Kat's story, how she. She went off to Cambodia a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. and uh, really fell in love with the idea of, of volunteering and bringing that back to her home country. Yeah, and yeah. It was really cool to um, support her event yeah. a couple of weeks ago where you and I were both at. And uh, you know, I talked to a few of the people that I invited to join that afterwards and they said, you know, this was so cool. This was so interesting. Yeah. Um, it was cultural. It was. I felt like I was getting back. I wish there were more of these types of things. Yeah. And I think that's the vision. A big part of the vision for what I'm trying to achieve. No one's giving back. Is just to create more awareness and opportunities, like what you're doing next week. Yeah. With the with the fundraising for the football yes. for the kids in the communa. Yeah. Um, I have a, a strong feeling that these are the things that people want to do, but it takes a lot of effort on your part for example to make those things happen yeah it is and, and I, I want to I want to try to find the piece the missing link uh, between connecting foreigners like nomads expats yeah. travelers so that they become more aware of those things rather than just doing the typical touristy stuff yeah so that that is like what nomads giving back because we we were at a couple of events and I heard not your pitch but obviously you have to explain in the first events and you're saying just connecting travellers to and more more aware is actually a good thing but say like people are here for a few days are you do you want to target them or do you not do you purposely try and target them or is it for like longer periods would you say it's a good question I think anyone who has an appetite 
for this are, are welcome. And by the way, that includes locals. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to locals, including my own team members. I, I have a few uh, team members who are Colombian that want to actually volunteer and give back to their local community. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this is a, everyone's invited. And, you know, I, was, I thought long and hard about what to call what I want to create. And uh, I went with the word nomads only because I've become quite plugged into that community. Yeah. And it's a unique uh, niche in terms of there's a lot of things targeting one-week, two-week volunteerism. There's a lot of things, you know, expats tend to figure things out that are there for a while. But for people who are coming for that one to six months, sometimes a year, um, it's it's a little bit trickier. Yeah. So, and I happen to know a lot of them. So I thought maybe why don't I create something that's targeting that as a core, Yeah. but really it's for anyone. Yeah. So, like, see, if we go on them, that, that niche, like, what do you think they want to do? Like so, like that. The yeah. first event that we went for. Like so, I was. I think we might have done, or may not have done, more volunteering than a lot of people there. We spoke to some people. A lot of people. Some were like, like you could tell they were just sort of coming to check it out, which is sort of fair for the first event as well. It's uh, but like I'd like to see like what they want to do. Like I don't know how com- how committed are they? Do they just want to like help? say like the masterpiece or someone who was there just for some advice and then like oh, I've done my bit which I, I don't know like how valuable that is yeah I, I would I would it's a really good question and I'll be the first one to admit that this is a, a work in progress yeah yeah I, I understand that yeah, yeah. but I, I think I think that's the whole point is that you often don't know what will happen when you bring people together from different diverse backgrounds <laughs> with different diverse backgrounds and and a good and a good intention yeah. uh, sometimes sometimes connecting those what is that some alarm I think that's right alright so I was saying you really don't know what could happen when you bring people together from diverse backgrounds yeah who have similar intentions they want to give back they want to help out they want they want to be part of a community what can come out of it like I'll give you an example I held uh, my the first event in in Rio uh, a couple months ago a few months ago wait so nomads giving back yeah okay yeah yeah. Yeah. so so just give me a little background in terms of the history of nomads giving back it was a concept in my mind for uh, a few months and then I went on something called the Nomad Cruise where I gave a talk to like 500 nomads. Yeah. And I was talking about my personal journey of what I've been trying to uh, accomplish for my own life the last few years. And one of them, I said, actually, I'm just starting now the idea, the concept of nomads, of nomads giving back. And uh, I, it was pretty interesting because I... I found that sometimes you need to just put an idea out there and then see what happens and be willing to sort of like jump out of the helicopter and you make the parachute along the way and uh, a lot of people like really gravitated towards the message the concept and from that that's where it took off and I I helped sort of uh, lead the fundraiser for that conference on that ship 
And when I landed in Rio, I, this is just last December, three months ago, uh, I had just hosted a, an event, a local event, where I brought foreigners and, and uh, locals together, and we had like a networking thing, and we featured a local school in the favela, just like the community that you were, yeah. you were helping out next month. Did you week. have a connection with the school or yeah. like know somebody who was in? A friend of a friend. Right, yeah, Just yeah, trying yeah. to create that bridge, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, and that's where, the, that's where some of the hard work comes in, yeah. right? Is building those relationships. So what's interesting is there was no real agenda other than trying to help them out. Yeah. It, it was obviously did not make money. We did a little bit of a fundraiser, so some money went to the school. But two things happened that day. One is, one of my friends wanted to do something for Christmas and wanted to get some foreigners, nomads together and do something, but they had no idea where to start. But we, because we had local people there and those who were connected to the, the, the communities that need the most help, we came up with a plan. Yeah. And a week later, we organized an event where we went into the favela, uh, 20 nomads, and we donated more than $1,000 worth of gifts and toys and books and donations and we we ended up spending the day with 50 kids overlooking uh, Copacabana Beach and had a beautiful celebration bringing people together and a lot of people walked away very inspired I think on both sides and and, and the thing is we didn't that was not part of the goal right that just sort of happened you know you bring people together that's where the magic happens and another thing happened Uh, a Japanese woman messaged us the next day and said I really admired what the school had to say. Thanks for inviting them to speak. Um, I work for the Japanese embassy here in Rio, and we're looking for a social cause to to donate money to and, and be a sponsor. And we're not talking about the hundred dollars we raised by nomads. Yeah. An embassy from Japan is going to do a little more than a hundred dollars, yeah. right? And so now they're in talks, and who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I love is that if we can sort of. Uh, Connect, it is connect, connect yeah. right, and inspire. Connect yeah. and inspire, yeah. I think, would be the the two verbs if you had to narrow it down that simply of what I would love nomads giving back to be. And uh, I'm really optimistic in terms of the feedback I'm getting. That I think that honestly, uh, at this point, being so early on, I'm st- like you asked about the business model or the yeah, yeah, legal yeah. structure. That's that's a, that's a bit because we're talking about a similar thing and like looking into certain yeah. stuff. So we're a bit like so that's more why I asked. And that. I would love to I'd love to chat more with you about that offline. Um, and I, I think if if we can figure out a model, whether it is nonprofit, for profit, a blend, but I think sustainability is the hardest part. And that's probably why that's probably why there is a gap. Yeah. I don't think you and I are the first people to try to do this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, mate, that's unbelievable, that, that Brazil story. Like, that's why I love, like, even going to your, to your first event that we went to. Like, we travelled overnight from Finlandia. Yeah, oh yeah, I said, didn't I? Because we, I wanted to go to that. But obviously, we were involved in that, and I, and I told Katra about it, so it's like I wanted to help her if she can meet people. Yeah. Which she did with you. And she did, and that worked out in something else, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like, is that We, we helped bring people to her event because of you. Yeah. So, like, you... You and did the same thing. Even I've I've introduced Katta to a few like mostly Colombians. Like you said that Colombians want to help out. Yeah. She's got she's placed a few Colombians. Like generally speaking, they're like on the wealthier spectrum, but like in a way that's who a lot of the time that is who the nomads or the travelers are meeting because yeah. they're going to the more wealthy areas or yeah. staying in a safer like more wealthy areas anyway. It's so, it's it's a, it's a part of life. It, yeah, it goes like that. But it's true like just connecting like that. That's 
it is to connect and to inspire. I feel like I understand it more just hearing that, to be honest, because yeah. it's a... Uh, so how long have you got in Colombia? Like, you're on a tourist I, visa? I'm on a tourist visa, and so I'm doing the, the maximum three-month stay right now. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be here for a little while. Yeah. And then I'm going to hop on uh, the, the next Nomad Cruise and give a talk and try to spread the word. Uh, I'm going to host events in Spain and in Lisbon uh, to sort of uh, hopefully feature local social causes there. Yeah. And then my, my personal plan is to spend the next few months after that in Bali. Right. Bali is a really well-known place for nomads. Yeah, it's right? fucking haven. Like yeah, exactly. Everyone. And then there's also a lot of social need and some, some really inspiring local causes that I would love to help support. Over there? Over there. You've been there before? Yeah, it's one of my favorite places yeah. on the planet. They have really amazing people, uh, locals, foreigners, a lot of need as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I've had some experience with some local social causes there. So Medellin is, is, is the first pilot. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I, met, I did a little bit in Rio, but very briefly. Yeah. But Medellin is the real first project. And then Bali, I'm going to manage Bali and Medellin at the same time. Yeah. And those are going to be my two sort of pilot cities, towns, yeah, yeah, to yeah. figure out what works and yeah. what the need is. And, you know, a big part of this is talking to people like you, to Kata, yeah. to the Peace Hub, to organizations and leaders. Um, we're, we're connected with the Impact Hub here. And, and I think I don't want to fall for one of those common mistakes of being a, a foreigner that kind of goes somewhere and thinks they could figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about... Inside the world. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, we, intentions are good. But we need to be realistic of what actually works. Yeah, yeah. And that's curating partnerships like you did with Catalina. Yeah, yeah. Someone who is on the ground who knows it. And that's why I brought on Colombians on my team. And they have been a, tre a tremendous support in, uh, in understanding the local environment yeah. and the local needs. And um, this, is, this is where the core competencies and the capabilities are being built. It's the relationships, it's yeah. the local know-how, it's the connections. And then I'm really hoping that these two pilots over the next six to 12 months could be, um, a, we could build a proven model and then hopefully scale it globally is my dream. Yeah. Well, um, so who's on your team? Manu. We have uh, Manu. And the social media guy. So. Uh, the social media guy you're referring to is Martin. Martin, sorry. And then we have Maria. Maria. Yeah. I don't know Maria, I don't think. Yeah, so Maria, they're all, all three of them are great. And we have two, uh, two other new employees who are part-time helping us out as well, uh, Camila and Esteban. And it's been an amazing experience. Just last night we went to, have you ever heard of a escape rooms yeah 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 I've done that yeah, so no, we had a team outing last night in Envigado and did an escape room and it was hilarious it was so much fun and it was you know we were going to do we were going to go bowling and I thought to oh, myself no. I thought about all no there's nothing wrong with bowling I love bowling but I thought about all my corporate experiences where we do bowling and we, like everyone's doing their own thing but escape room we really had to like service a team it was high pressure there was yeah. one hour there was a time clock and it was a mystery and do you get everyone, a clue yeah we got a clue <laughs> and everyone played a role and it was actually like the perfect team experience yeah yeah um, so they're, all, they're big I, I mean they're in the US they're big as well uh, but I, for me it was my first time ever yeah yeah, yeah and uh, you know 
I, I thought it, I highly recommend it. It's a cool experience. So what what did you do corporate? You you mentioned before you've done the corporate thing in New York. But yeah. So what were you doing? Most of my corporate background was New York. Uh, I did a year in London and a, a few other places. Uh, I did a few different things. I worked in, in early in my career. I did operations leadership, uh, working for either healthcare organizations or uh, investment banks. And then I moved more into a business development role over the years in account management. So I had a, a pretty diverse business background and yeah. a, a hand. Did you go to university? Yeah, I also went to university, uh, undergrad, and I did graduate uh, MBA. Oh, right. So yeah. Where did you go? Uh, undergrad, I was at Georgetown in D.C. Oh, yeah, I know Georgetown. You know it? I know D.C. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, my MBA was in, in New York at New, NYU, New NYU. York University. Yeah. Oh, so did you, so then did you go into like the corporate thing because that was the done thing, generally speaking? It was, you know, yeah, looking back, it was just, it was just what you do. Yeah. I mean, it was either doctor, lawyer, MBA, maybe engineer, those were like sort of like what was in my, my... But what do you mean, was that because of your background? Didn't you say your dad's Egyptian? My dad's Egyptian, yeah. So my dad and mom came to the U.S. a year before I was born. Right. So I was born in uh, Philadelphia, uh, well, the city brother they love. Were they, were they the like lower class immigrant story? Were they, were they a doctor and a lawyer? So then it, it was expected of you to be one or do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard to, to put them in a bucket. My dad was a doctor. Uh, he's he's been retired for quite a while now. So, but he came from a village outside Cairo, yeah. and it, I'd say, if I had to guess, I'd say a respectable family in the middle class, but yeah. it was still a village in Cairo, yeah, so yeah. compare that to, like, New York City or London is a little bit of a, a you know, a leap. Yeah. Uh, my mom was the uh, best mom on the planet, uh, didn't have a, a professional profession, but... Yeah. Uh, if, if there was one, then she'd get the MVP for best mom. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I guess when I was saying those were the options, I, I think I was just saying, like, we, you know, they had high expectations for us and in the U.S. or, I guess, globally, yeah. there's those, those traditional fields. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, like, it's the same. Yeah. Like, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> but, like, I was, because a lot, of, an immigrant can often, like, if, if your dad wasn't a doctor, say, and he came over, worked his ass off to just get you to university or something. Then there's also that expectation that you do something like professional, like professional qualification, doctor, sure. lawyer, or something as well. Even though he hasn't come from that. Yeah. But, but then there's the one if, if your parents are, then they have an expectation to uh, I don't know, probably keeping up with the Joneses then because their social circles with doctors and your mother, yeah. your school and your parent. And your it's parents, you know friends. it's the American dream. It's like there's you're looking for freedom. Uh, and you get freedom through, you know, and an, uh, education, and so it was all that. But I mean, I did it very happily. It just yeah. I don't I don't know how conscious everything was. I felt like maybe looking back, I was in a passenger seat yeah. of the car. Major key. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I jumped into the driver's seat until five years ago, yeah. well into my thirties. Uh, and I don't I don't regret any decision I made. I, I think that. Everyone is a culmination of their life experiences, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. what you, ideally you look back at at least the majority of your experiences and say, you know, that happened for a reason. And for example, 
like I was able to save up quite a bit of money, more than I needed. And and that gave me freedom to actually have more, to hop in the driver's seat. Yeah. So, you know, it's not that everyone always can just do whatever they want. You have to sort of sometimes pay your Practical. dues. Yeah, you have to be some, I mean, there's a real world, right? Yeah. So I, I did my real world thing and I think I paid some dues. Um, and and then I caught up in terms of figuring out later on in life what was really important to me. Yeah. And then I guess my priorities have sort of shifted. Yeah. So when, like, how, how have you got friends with all the nomads? Are they your corporate friends who have now saved up enough money just no. living? Or did you go work somewhere where you could travel the world? Or what did you do? That's a good question. But it's funny that you said that because I don't think any of my corporate friends have ever done this. <laughs> that, <laughs> so. that's, actually, that's actually another question of most of... Like, when, when we talk to people, we yeah. always ask, like, what... Yeah. And, and my last podcast episode that I published is a 55-year-old guy from uh, Miami... And he said when he was like 22 after college, like he worked three jobs and went off. Then and he said, I didn't get a job till I was 25. All of his friends went and got a job, and and we were like, did they ever like quit or like did they ever sort of like you sort of say like get more conscious and think, oh no, my priorities changed. He was like, did they fuck? He's like, no, no, no way. They're all still working now. And, and yeah. of course, when a wife and kids comes along or something, like that, then it's like you have to work because you've got the mortgage, you've got the kids to pay for, and, and oh and yeah, the rest that goes with that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and like. I, I I need to like make it clear that you know to each to each his own like I I don't think there's any sort of right path I just am thankful that for me yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have found a closer more aligned path for me yeah, yeah. and um, to answer your question I sort of fell into the nomad community because what I did was I was doing the hardcore working around the clock suit and tie thing for many years and then I found myself on my vacation time gravitating towards volunteer work. So I would do a volunteer work in like uh, Zambia or China or Sri Lanka. And then at one point I said, you know what? Why am I feeling most alive when I come back? And then when I get back to work in the office, I don't. Yeah, it drains you again. It drains me. And so I felt more connected to more, I, had, I felt like more. I had more meaning. My life had more meaning, and yeah. I felt more connected to both the foreigners and the locals, like just like-minded people. And then at one point a few years ago, I I took a leap of faith and just left my corporate life behind. Then uh, did everyone tell you not to? Oh, I was. Yeah, I would say most people. Most people either directly or hinted at that I lost my mind. What are you doing? Man? Yeah. What did and your parents say? So the good news is that, like, at that point, I was well into my 30s. And so even though I care a lot about what they think, it, I was at a point where I, you know, I'm my own man. Yeah, right. And so I made the decision and then told them. <laughs> because like parents are very influential. They know, they know how to work you. So I, and you know what? To be honest with you, they've been very, very supportive all along, all along. You know, every once in a while, they'll raise an eyebrow. Um, and they're, they're, it's more about fear of yeah. me not... Uh, like what am I doing because I went off and did some adventures like in bizarre places that that they had to look up on the map you know that kind of thing so um, and my big, my mom's biggest fear is like don't ever bungee jump again you know yeah, <laughs> like yeah. she didn't care that I volunteered in Kenyan slums for four months but she cared about bungee jumping um, so it's it's kind of funny what what people consider uh, fear uh, fearful but 
you know, but you left, and then so you saved up enough to leave and like live and travel, adventure and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And then I found myself loving the sort of backpacking, lose yourself thing for a little while, but then I realized that I was craving community uh, and craving more than that first conversation a hundred times yeah, yeah, I am yeah, yeah. Tarek I'm from blah 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 and I do blah 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 yeah. but I was craving that hundredth conversation with, yeah, yeah. with one person so yeah and so then I, I started I stumbled upon these nomad places like Bali Chiang Mai and, yeah. and uh, a few other places uh, like Budapest for example and and then I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, people actually do live abroad for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And they're also exploring the world. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's some benefit of getting a, a taste of a place for a few days. But to really get to know a place, you need a few months and ideally a few years. Yeah. But, you know, we only have one life. Yeah. So I've, I've always sort of struggled in finding that balance between depth versus breadth. Yeah. And I'm at a point now where I feel like I've, I've been to the buffet and I tried everything, yeah. everything I really want to. And now I'm going back for seconds and thirds to what I love. Yeah, yeah. And Medellin and Bali are uh, two of my, my places where I'm going for thirds and fourths and fifths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking about this last night, how like we were saying how pe- people's mindsets change when they travel. So for example, if you see someone who's been on like a year trip or something like that, is often you can tell maybe they're more open-minded like call it what you like but, but they've grown over that year and changed probably you've probably done something wrong if you haven't changed if you've gone back but I was saying that if you had we were saying that like when you do when you figure out that you need to live on a budget or like and you meet people from different areas all of this stuff is often the backpacking thing is like going out on the piss or having a few beers drugs or girls whatever you want to call it it's really, I, I was saying that a lot of people are unconsciously traveling as well. They don't know that, they're saying, oh, I'm going traveling because they've saved up money and doing all of that. But really, they're not like acknowledging where that guy is from or like their actual journey or like their, their, their own growth. When they go home, that's when they realize that they've grown and they look at things a bit different. But I think you should do it along the way a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Because then you sort of, you put yourself in a situation whilst you're still away to like grow more. And, and, and when did you figure that out? How, how did you come how did you how did this become your insight because um, I, I think I think that's that's the question is that a lot of people don't get to that till later and you feel yeah. you seem to figure that out early on yeah well I'm, I'm, I love personal growth I'm addicted to, so that's why I do things and so like I always said I wanted to go traveling but now I, I say I'm living like people say when's your trip ending I'm like well like when I die like, <laughs> it's like that sort of mentality because I, I feel like I I've grown so much by doing certain things but if I go home I would do things as well on growth I was back in London as well like, and I would be happy and stuff like that do you know what I mean well, some, some people feel like it's their escape and then I mean I'm still figuring out as well so it's not like, that's why I like conversations where yeah. people I mean you're a bit older than me as well you could probably say yeah well I found like that when it was this or that or and, yeah I mean I, I, I think you're spot on I think so I also am uh, passionate about personal growth, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think that was my priority in my 20s. I think my priorities in my 20s was professional growth. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that, that's, to me that sounds scandalous, I can't. Listen, I mean, everyone has their own personal journey and 
and and again there's no right or wrong yeah that's but, what I don't think that yeah. would sound scandalous to a lot of other people yeah, especially yeah. like where my my peers at home wouldn't think that as well like but. well and, and the thing is like everyone everyone no one has ever walked in your shoes or vice versa yeah. and I think what I'm what I've realized is that I want to create the experiences that I feel will challenge me will make me grow outside my comfort zone but not across my danger zone and I think that's where the growth happens and I think it's through being open and humble enough to realize that no one has figured it out that yeah. there, there is no there is no answer yeah, but maybe deep within each person there's a compass and could you could could you follow the, your your true north you know and I think I think that's the hardest part is really deep down understanding your true self and and knowing that you're going after what you think is most important and I'll tell you what I think what I still struggle with all the time is how to balance priorities yeah. how to balance my my values my goals what I want out of life and every single thing every single hour every single dollar every single uh, thought is a trade-off for something else yeah and how do we optimize? And what is optimizing? What what is your optimize of your time and your value? And well, this is a good thing. Well, I think because no, there is no answer. Like you, I look at it like a game. Like and it's all the same game. Like nomads giving back. You said it's a work in progress. Like yourself is a work in progress. Exactly. Like if you, like when you everything is just you just have to enjoy the journey there. Like and then. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of people. So that's why I think what you were saying. Though, like, so people aren't aware of that. You need to be aware of like. It doesn't have to call it a game. Call it the journey, the process, or whatever. But it's so interrelatable. It's like if you're trying to, if you're trying to get with a girl, like it's a game. Like if it just happened, it would be, it wouldn't be as good. Like it's just, <laughs> no, but it's true. If no, yeah. if no man's giving back was just made, yeah. like, it wouldn't be as good. So as what you was the work point? What was the make, point? Yeah, to make it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta earn. You gotta grow. It's like yeah, like I'm, I'm, on Sunday. Well. On Sunday, I'm running a half marathon, which means I had to go to the gym today. I was not in the mood to go to the gym today. But if yeah. I don't go to the gym today, then I'm not going to be able to. Yeah. So like, it's the it's the journey. It's the process. It's the same words you used, and everything you do. And if it wasn't that easy, if you were just sort of uh, gifted something entirely, then I think you're absolutely right. Then it kind of loses its value a little bit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What um. So that's part one of the convo I had with Tarek. I hope you understand why I get so much inspiration from this lad. He's, he's, he's on an amazing journey. I hope somebody is listening or somebody listening can help nomads giving back or maybe know somebody who might be able to help or work together or collab or like Tarek said, build the bridge between maybe a, maybe a social enterprise and Tarek or... Uh, or non-profit or whatever it is anywhere in the world as well so that's brilliant remember keep an eye out for part two next week hope you stay tuned to the podcast and i hope you can share this with somebody who you might think gets a bit of value from it and uh, don't forget to check out nomads giving back as well see you in part two